0: Come on, okay. <laughs> Greetings to all of our campuses, uh, our West Campus, our downtown campus um, at Zoe's and our Traditions Campus, our Traditions Venue, I should say. We're glad that all of you are here, all of you are a part of what God is doing at Christ Community. I'm really stoked about ShareFest. It's a month away, a Sunday morning where um, that whole weekend all of our campuses come together, Sunday morning, but rather than doing church in here, we do church out there. And so we serve our community. We had over 1,500 people last year, a part of Christ Community doing this. We hope even more this year. The one thing, as Bruce mentioned, uh, or as as your campus pastors have mentioned, um, our desire is to do online registration as early as possible. So we have an idea we can get you in Teams and all that. So the sooner you can sign up, the better. And so that's why we're encouraging signups even, um, even today. Author uh, Les Parrott tells about a time when he was invited to be on a Chicago radio call-in show, and the topic that evening was was relationships. And for the first two hours, the discussion was fairly typical, you know, a few questions about friendships and about sex or whatever, and, and often the callers, you know, just wanted to hear themselves talk or criticize other callers. But then a college student named Tom came on the phone. He hesitated, and then he said, um, I've... I've never called a radio station or anything, but I'm, I'm kind of, and he cleared his throat, and he continued, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, and the host grew impatient, and he interrupted, Tom, do you have a question or a comment? Go ahead. Well, I I, I don't really have a question or anything. He sighed. I'm, I'm just listening, and I, and I feel, I don't know. At this point, the, the, the talk show host rolled his eyes and signaled to the screener, you know, get this guy off the phone. And, and so Les Parrott jumped in and he said, hey, Tom, you called for a reason. What is it you're, you're feeling? And, and Tom said, well, it's just that I, I haven't talked to anyone for so long. And the host blurted out, you haven't talked to anyone? Well, well I've talked to people, but not really talked in a way that means anything. So then Les Parrott asked him, So, so Tom, what is it you're feeling? And there was an exceptionally long silence before Tom answered lonely. And suddenly the whole tone of the program changed. Dozens of people called in after that and acknowledged similar feelings. I feel disconnected, I feel lonely. 25% of all Americans say they have felt lonely in the last month. 25%. Two-thirds of Americans say that having close relationships with other people is always on their mind. I mean, there is no question that we long for real relationships in a world of ATMs and do-it-yourself checkout lanes and online shopping. I mean, technically, we don't have to personally interact with anyone. (laughs) And we're, we're often too busy anyway. But deep down, we long for something deeper than superficial relationships. We long for real connections with the people around us. So how can we experience that? Well, that's really what this teaching series, this new teaching series is all about, Can You Relate? For the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on this critically important question. How can we make our relationships better? How can we experience the relational connections that we long for? And there is no better place to look for answers to that question than in the Bible, the Bible tells us that we were created for connectedness and it also shows us how we can experience that. So if you have your Bible or you have your iPad or whatever you've brought, please turn to 2 Corinthians 6:11 to 13. If you didn't bring anything, we'll have the words on the screen here. But in this verse, chapter 6 verses 11 to 13, in these verses we are introduced to an incredibly simple and life-giving principle that can transform our relationships, whether we're talking about our marriage or, or our friendships or our relationships with co-workers or, or our neighbors. So here's the passage, 2 Corinthians six, eleven to 13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. This is God's word. Now in this passage, Paul finds himself in the midst of a relationship that's struggling. There is tension between Paul and this particular church that's located in Corinth, and the tension has to do with some previous communication that they've had. And so when Paul is writing these words, he is acknowledging that this relationship is not where he wants it to be, where he would like it to be. It's not as healthy as he would like, and they are not connecting at a significant level. It's just superficial. And he he diagnoses the problem in a very vivid and simple way. He says this, look, I have opened wide my heart to you, but you're not opening wide your heart to me. Now that phrase, opening wide our hearts, it's easy to skip over, but recently it resonated with me when I realize that Paul is describing here a key to us experiencing healthy relationships. This phrase describes in a very simple way how we can improve our relational connections with other people, and that is by opening our hearts to them. In every relational encounter we have, in every interaction we have with people around us, Every encounter we have, we have a a very significant choice that we can make. Will we open our heart to this person, or will we close our heart? Whether we're talking our spouse, a friend, a co-worker, our child, a neighbor who's washing their car in their driveway, uh, uh, the checkout person at the grocery store. In every relational encounter, we have a choice. And that choice makes all the difference in terms of our connectedness to this person. In, in, in his book, Practicing the Presence of People, Mike Mason writes these words. He says, learning to love is not a matter of following certain techniques, but rather of opening the heart. Learning to love is not about techniques, it's about opening Our heart. That's the key. Will we open our heart to this person or will we close our heart to them? Okay, so what exactly does this mean? What is opening our heart wide? look like? Well, Paul answers that question for us in this passage. Look again at verse 11 and 12. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your affection from us. Notice how Paul describes what it looks like to open our our heart to someone. He actually describes the opposite. See, the Corinthians' heart is not open to him. How does he know? Because, as he says here, they are withholding their affection. Now, this word affection here is not referring to a romantic thing. The word translated affection literally first refers to your gut, your heart, your inward being. What what Paul is saying is that in this relationship, the Corinthians are choosing to withhold their heart. From him. They apparently are okay at a superficial level of connection, but Paul senses now that there's a wall, there is a disconnect, there is a distance, and so he urges them to open wide their hearts to him. Again, let me reiterate in every relational encounter we have, every relational connection we have with anyone in our lives we have a choice. We can open our heart to this person or we can withhold our heart from this person. And that choice makes all the difference in our relationships. Now, I know at this point, some of you are thinking, this is so nebulous. What's he talking about here? This concept seems nebulous. So let me give you a clear picture from the life of Jesus, a clear picture of what I'm talking about here, what I think Paul is talking about here. There are many we could choose from in the life of Jesus, and that's because Jesus consistently demonstrated this capacity to open his heart to people. And often, by way of contrast, his disciples rarely did. Okay, They, they demonstrated the opposite. And so we have a number of examples where they see this contrast. And one of them is in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, we read about how Jesus was approaching the city of Jericho. And a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And th- this man's life was total isolation. I mean, really, I mean, he couldn't see physically. He is alone begging for coins to survive. He probably sat in that spot every day. So so he he really just kind of became a permanent fixture there. No No one really even noticed him. Luke tells us that when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Verse 38, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Now, those who led the way were probably the disciples. They're leading the way, right? They're usually, often they were leading the way, kind of clearing a path for Jesus, right? So they hear this man, maybe they see him, but they hear this man, this blind man, crying out to Jesus for mercy. And they rebuke him. Shut up, old man. Jesus can't be bothered with you. (laughs) He has more important things to do. See, what what they're doing in that moment, what they're doing is closing their heart. They don't want to feel what this man feels. They don't want to stop and engage with this man's situation. They don't even want to really notice that he's there. They have other items. They have their own agenda. So they close their heart. Verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? See, notice the difference. The entire crowd missed this man's heart. Entire crowd totally missed this man's heart, but not Jesus. He heard the man's cries, and he stopped and called for him. And then he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you need? This is what it looks like to open our heart to another human being, to open our heart to another person. It means being willing to stop what we're doing and to give attention to them, to notice them and to turn our heart towards them. Now, it would be very easy for us to apply this passage in a singular way In other words, we would apply it to needy people who are along the side of the road that we pass by. We need to open our heart to them. But if we only apply it that way, we miss the real power of this. Because here's the reality. Every person in our lives has a desire to be noticed. Every person that we come across... Or that lives in our home, or lives next door. Every person has a desire to be noticed. They have a desire to be valued. They they have a desire to be cared about. These are not necessarily people on the side of the road. This is your coworker. This is your fellow student. This is your friend. This is your spouse. This is your child or the child next door who's always hanging out at your house. This is your parents. Every person longs to matter. They long to be noticed, to be valued, to be cared about. Every one of us longs for that kind of connection with people. And the Bible shows us how it can begin to happen by us intentionally learning how to open our heart like Jesus did. In other words, by learning how to notice people, how to value them, how to focus on them. That's how our relational world can begin to change for the better. It's by doing this very thing. If we just sit around and wait for this to happen to us, right, Very few people, uh, for, for people to notice us and care about us. We're just sitting around waiting for this to happen to us. People notice us and care for us. We'll end up in a very dry place, relationally speaking. What's the old saying? You know, the best way to get friends is to be one. That principle applies here. When we go through life expecting everyone else to notice us and care about us and open their heart to us, we can become a relational black hole. We become a relational black hole that sucks life from every relationship because we're so needy. The way to breathe life into our relational world is not to increase this, our sense of need and expectations of other people. No, the way to breathe life into our relational world is for us to learn how to do what Paul is describing in 2 Corinthians and how to to do what Jesus did so often in his relationships. So here's the principle. When we learn how to open our hearts to people, it opens a door for deeper, more satisfying connections with people. When we learn how to open our hearts to people, it, it opens a door for deeper, more satisfying connections with people. That's the principle. This principle can transform our marriages. It can transform our relationship with our children. It can transform our friendships or our work environments. It is that powerful. It's that powerful. So in the next two weeks in this series, we're going to talk about specific ways we can open our hearts to people. But before we go there, it is critically important that we, first of all, expose the ways in which we don't do this. A lot of times we are completely unaware of the fact that we are closing our hearts to people. They can see it, <laughs> they can sense it. They are probably they are already probably withdrawing a bit in the relationship because of it. And many times we're absolutely clueless what's happening. We absolutely clueless what we're doing to sabotage our relationships. So I want to talk about two primary ways we fail either intentionally or unintentionally, we fail to open our hearts to people around us. And as I describe these, I want to encourage us all to think about our relationships in light of this. Are we doing these things in our relationships? One of the most common ways that we intentionally or unintentionally close our hearts to the people around us is by what what, um, uh, one author refers to as turning away. Turning away. I'm not talking about physically turning away, but rather... Our heart turning away from someone. How in a relationship we choose, intentionally or unintentionally, we choose to not pay attention to this person. To not focus on them. To not really notice them. This this is what the disciples were doing in the passage we read a moment ago, right? They didn't want to pay attention to the man on the side of the road They didn't want to focus on him. They didn't want to even notice him. They just wanted to ignore him. There were other episodes when children came up to Jesus and they were rebuking the children and the parents, get your kids away, right? They just, they they had their own agenda and they didn't want to notice these people. They didn't want to focus on them. They just wanted to ignore them. And this is exactly what we often do in our relationships, especially our closest relationships, and that's what's so devastating about this. We turn our hearts away. Not in a dramatic turn, but rather more of an apathetic one. Dr. John Gottman is a, a researcher at a university in the United States, relationship expert. He studied marriages and relationships for decades, decades. Um, he's the guy that I think I've mentioned in other sermons, he can he, and he, he claims, and I think he can, predict with 90% accuracy after observing a couple interact for 20 minutes whether that relationship's going to end in divorce or not. So he's kind of this relational expert after years of studying, kind of from an, from an academic perspective. In, in his book, um, The Relationship Cure, he talks about how in order to study marriages, the university that he worked at created what they called the Love Lab. Um, and it was really this nicely furnished condo. And what they would have is they'd have these couples come in for a, for a weekend um, and just be together, just interact together. And these researchers would videotape their conversations and their interactions. And so then Gottman, Dr. Gottman, would spend hours analyzing these videos, trying to figure out what makes a great marriage. He, you know, the marriages that are satisfying to the people, he'd try to evaluate those, what makes a great marriage, and, and all that. And, and he got really frustrated. Because even the couples that scored really high in marital satisfaction, he noticed, these couples that would score really high, um, he noticed they would spend their time talking about insignificant things like breakfast or mortgage rates or the baseball game. They weren't having these deep conversations. And he thought to himself, what a waste of time watching these videos. They're 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 not revealing anything about marital success. He was about to give up when he had this thought. Maybe it's not the depth of intimacy in conversation that matters. Maybe it doesn't matter whether couples agree or disagree. Maybe the most important thing is how these people pay attention to each other, no matter what they're talking about or doing. So with that in mind he got an assistant to watch the videos again. His assistant watched the videos again with this thought in mind, looking for this, and suddenly this principle became so obvious. This is what he writes. He says, sure enough, my assistant saw couples facing a certain set of choices at every turn, multiple times in their relationship, multiple times a day, facing a set of choices at every turn. For instance, the wife reads a funny tidbit from a magazine to her husband. Will he look up and smile? Will he ignore her? Or will he snap at her to be quiet? The husband points to an ad in the paper for stereo equipment. Will she acknowledge his interest? Will she look past it to the ads for women's shoes? Or will she frown in disapproval? See, in in all these seemingly meaningless interactions, a very significant dynamic was either happening or not. And it all boiled down to this. Were they paying attention to the other person or not? Were their hearts open? Were they turning towards each other? Were they noticing the other person? When one person would share something, would the other person listen and engage Would they open their heart to each other, caring about what the other person cared about, or would they just ignore them or dismiss them? So these research discovered, the researchers discovered, after studying hundreds and hundreds of marriages, they discovered that in healthy marriages, this turning towards each other happens a lot. And in unhealthy marriages, it doesn't happen very much. Instead, in unhealthy marriages, instead, they do a lot of turning away from each other. Someone is talking, and the other person is reading the newspaper. Basically ignoring what's being said, or changing the subject. And what happens is, we miss this person's heart. We're too busy, or too preoccupied, or too focused on our own stuff, that we don't stop And pay attention to them. We don't listen to them. We don't express any kind of response to what they're saying. We're texting. We're focusing on something else. We're totally missing their heart. This can happen in any of our relationships. Parents that basically miss their kids' heart because they're not attentive, they're not paying attention. I'm sure, you know, we we see this all the time, don't we? Just two weeks ago, I was at a hotel, swimming pool swimming with Josh and, and our kids and um, a and, uh, hotel swimming pool, and there was a little five-year-old girl there swimming alone. Her mom was dressed on the side of the pool playing games on her smartphone the whole time. Our, you know, our children long to be noticed by us. To, 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 for us to engage with them, are we missing their heart? Or what about friends that miss each other's heart because of the same reason—just not being attentive? Oh, they like when, we, when I can talk and the other person listens to me, but oh, when they start talking, eh? How many relationships are like that? We really love to share what's going on with us, but we don't engage when they're talking. Or maybe a boss with him, his, his or her employees. See, this principle here has huge relational ramifications. Huge. In every relationship. Why be, and here's why. Because when, when people sense that our heart is closed, that we're not noticing them, that we're not paying attention to them, guess what? They're going to just stop trying to connect with us. Often they, they, they stop very quickly because our response is communicating volumes. We, we don't really care about what they're feeling or what they're interested in. What's the use? The newspaper or the television show or checking Facebook on our cell phone, that's more important to us. That's what we're communicating. And what's sad is that this reality, this, 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 this experience we're talking about, it's rarely it's rarely an intentional thing that we're deliberately doing to try to hurt people and sabotage our relationships. It's not. It's not, usually it's not intentional, but the end result is the same. (laughs) We're sabotaging our relationships. The people around us all know how they rate in comparison to these other things in our life or the other things that are on our mind or, you know, at work. And they give up trying. They just give up. So one way we close our heart is by turning away our heart, by not paying attention, by not really engaging or listening, by being distracted by other things. We just, we don't notice this person. We don't focus on them. Another way we close our heart is by turning against, not turning away. That's more ignoring, not noticing. This is, turning against another person. This is what was happening in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. They were withholding their affection from him. They weren't opening their hearts to him. Why? Well, when you read further um, in in the letter, you realize it was because they were probably ticked. They were angry. Um, They were hurt. He had previously sent them a letter with, um, you know, had some some hard things that he said to them, and they were still reeling a bit from, from that. They were withholding their hearts from him. So, you know, we see this turning away vividly in in Genesis chapter 3. So Adam and Eve had this incredible relationship, Genesis 1 and 2, incredible relationship, caring for each other, loving each other, and then sin entered the picture. And what happened? They turn against each other. They are self-conscious. They're hiding from each other. They start blaming each other. See, this is, just, this is another way we close our heart to people. We, we turn against them. That's another way we close our heart. We turn against them. We let, we let sarcasm and criticism creep in. So a friend says to us, boy, I'd really like to learn to paint. And we respond, you paint? I mean, you don't have a creative bone in your body. That kind of response is so wounding. And it fails to engage the person's heart. That kind of sarcasm. And we could have just as as easily said, painting? Really? Tell me about that. Why are you interested in that? When did that that interest happen? I think a lot of families have this, this kind of dynamic in them. Sarcasm, shaming, criticism. We think we're being funny. We're not. We're wounding people. All around us it's not funny people may laugh but it hurts because we're making fun of them or you know there's a sarcastic element to it there's a critical part of that and it hurts and what happens is it creates an environment where no one's heart is open no one's heart is open it's just too painful i i observed a family like this recently and Obviously, what was obvious is that years of this kind of sarcasm and gruffness and and missing each other's hearts had taken its toll. So there was very little warmth, there was very little genuine connection in the family because of it. You could just tell. Everyone had just built the walls. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna open my heart anymore. Just built the walls. Or what about in our workplace where an employee shares an idea to improve the business and another employee mocks the suggestion? See, I mean, it's critical here that all of us take a serious relational inventory. We need to look at our relationships around us and begin asking some hard questions like, how has my anger or impatience or criticism Or sarcasm damaged the relationships around me? Or how has my busyness or my constantly checking emails on my phone or my watching television while other people are talking, how has that negatively impacted my relationships, my marriage, my friendships? Has my heart been open to the people around me? I recently read the words of a man and I'm going to read them to you. This is what he said. This is what he wrote. I'm 72 years old and I haven't really ever seen my children or my grandchildren. I've had my eyes open this whole time. In other words, he'd seen them with his physical eyes but I haven't really seen their smiles, their faces. Only now is my vision starting to clear a little more each day? How marvelous to be able to see people. See, to open our heart is to see people. It's to see the people around us, to notice them, to be attentive to them. So how are we doing in this? And how is it impacting our relationships? Now, here's the good news for all of us here. Not only has God given us the principles to follow to make our relationships more healthy, he has also given us the means. And that means is the gospel. You see, all these relational issues that we've been talking about all these relational issues are issues of the heart. Even though, you know, we, we long for connections and we long to open our heart, we struggle with fear. We struggle with, with unforgiveness or anger or self-centeredness. We, we always we struggle with these things, and they wreak havoc in our relationships. But here's the cool news. God has given us a way off of that path of fear and hiddenness and self-centeredness. And all that. It, it, it's found in the fact that Jesus opened his heart to us on the cross. He wasn't too busy for us, right? He he wasn't too preoccupied, too focused on other things. No, he he noticed us. He noticed us. Even when we were sinners, he noticed us. He, He stopped and gave his life on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and freed. So because he opened his heart and and poured his love upon us, we can open our hearts to others. We can because of that love. We, We are freed at any moment in time to lay down our lives, to lay down our agendas and our newspaper, our cell phone, whatever. We are freed to pay attention to the people around us, to care about what they care about. Through his spirit, at any moment in time, we can have access to perfect love, to the kind of love that will pour life into our relationships. Are we allowing him, the spirit, to fill us with his love in those moments? Because it's there for us. So here's what I want you to do this week. Here's an assignment for this week. In every relational encounter you have, starting from the end of the service on, every relational encounter you have with people you know well, people you don't know at all, and all those in the middle, in every relational encounter, I want you to be attentive and ask this question. Is my heart open to this person right now? In this moment, in this moment, am I attentive to this person? Caring for them, focusing on them, or am I turning away or turning against you know, lately, I've, after this passage has so resonated in my heart, lately I've been asking this question as I interact with people, and I can almost feel it physically in my body. I can almost feel it physically if my heart is open to this person or if it's not. And I'm in a hurry and I'm looking, other, you know, I can, I can just feel it. I, I know when my mind is elsewhere when my focus is on someone else, I can can tell. And here's the scary part. Most of the time, the people around us can tell as well. They can tell whether our heart is open to them or not. We have a, a few neighbor kids that often come over to play with Joshua and our youngest son. It's not unusual at some point, you know, in that time when they ask me or Raylene to play with them? And my answer is you almost always no. I can't right now. I'm working on this or that or whatever. But I remember a while back, I, I had come home early to just sort of hang out. And I don't do that very often. I'm not really a good hanger-outer. Uh, I like to accomplish things. Um, um, so I was home, really with no schedule. And one of, these, one of these kids asked me to play Legos with them. And I said, Sure. So we spread out a blanket on the front lawn, and we were playing Legos. Rather than me being impatient or, or doing the usual things I would do, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, to their comments or whatever, I really engaged with them. I, I made eye contact, and I listened to his description of the rocket ship he was building. And after about 30 minutes, this, this 10-year-old kid looked at me, and he said, you seem different today. He noticed that my heart was open to him. The people around us notice whether our heart is open to them. They notice. No no matter what our relational patterns or defaults that we've lived by, the power of Jesus in us can enable us to open our hearts, to pay attention, to love people the way he does Again, it's not this, oh, huge. I got to love, you know, get, get all this money and sacrifice, all this stuff. I'm just talking, all I'm talking about here is just paying attention. Just stopping to pay attention, to notice them, to take a few moments and care about what they care about. That's all we're talking about at this point. And Jesus can enable us to do that. Through the the words of the Apostle Paul, God is urging us, open wide your hearts to people around you. Don't withhold your affection, but turn your heart towards them. Really see them, notice them, pay attention to them. And as we do that more and more, life is going to be poured into our relationships, seriously. Into our marriages, our friendships, our families. Life is going to be poured into those places as we do this more and more in the power of the Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask the campus pastors at their respective campuses to come forward and, and lead our congregations here in, in prayer. So let's, let's pray together. So I want to encourage you just to quiet your heart for a moment. And I know it's, it's easy to go, boy, I hope so-and-so's listening. It's easy to go there. And I just want to encourage you, let's not go there, and let's just look at our own heart, our own relational world. And are there any relationships that have been coming to mind in this message? Well, you're thinking, man, I just have not paid attention to that person. Not, I've tried not to even notice them. I've not cared about what they care about. I've just, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to some relationships around us where we actually have the privilege and the opportunity to reverse the trajectory of that and to pour life into these relationships by simply opening our heart to these people. And Lord, you know us so well. You know our busyness. You know how distracted we are. And a lot of times we're just not very present to people. We're reading something, looking at our phone. Would you help us see people the way you do, to value them the way you value them, to notice them, And so I want to pray in every relational encounter we have, Lord, that this would be something we would begin to practice with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, the person at Walmart, the checkout. Every person we encounter, even if it's just a 15-second interaction, we would be instinctively asking, is my heart open to this person right now? God, we're so thankful you opened your heart to us. (laughs) And that's the place from which we can grow in this. So we open our heart afresh to your love for us. Thank you, God. You know, I feel prompted just this moment, you can just keep your head bowed, but just to um, give an invitation. There may be some of you here and you have not, opened your heart to the love of Jesus. Maybe you thought having a relationship with God is about trying your best to make him happy. And just, you if you work hard enough and go to church often enough and you're nice to people, somehow God's gonna let you in. So it's all about your effort. The Bible says it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. All of us are sinners. We're all separated from God. The only way to get in is to open our heart to Jesus to place our trust in his work on the cross. He died on the cross for you and for me. So there may be some of you here, and you're like, man, I've never I've never understood that. I thought it was just all about my performance, my working hard." and I want that. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive his love and his forgiveness, his life and his spirit to help me be changed and to love other people differently. So if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now where you can do that. Pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm I'm so often, I'm self-centered and I'm proud and I'm just not the person I even want to be. I'm certainly not even close to being as holy as you are. And I realize the Bible says I'm separated from you because of my sin, but I don't want to be separated. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. You, Jesus, you paid my penalty for my sin. You paid for that on the cross. I'm so grateful you opened your heart to me in that way. And I choose right now to place my trust in you. I open my heart to you to receive you. And I pray that you would forgive my sin, all of it and you would come live in me through the presence of your spirit. Fill me with your love. Be changing me now through your love. So Lord, I wanna pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you for that. I pray you'd help them grow in this relationship with you. Whether it's to getting connected with other believers, maybe it's our Alpha course starting up soon, that they would grow in this relationship with you. Pray for them. I pray for all of us just to grow in our experience of your love. That it would pour into our relationships as we open wide our heart to others. Lord, thanks for this opportunity now to worship you, to open our hearts to you in worship. Why don't we? Do, why don't we stand? If at some point you want to sit on, that's fine. But let's stand. The altar is open if you just want to get on your knees before the Lord maybe there's a relationship weighing heavy on your heart you just want to get on the knees before the Lord you can do that altar is open we also have intercessors to my right and left and I think at the back there's one person they're wearing red lanyards if at any point you want to slip out and just go get prayed for they would love to pray with you so Lord we pray for our intercessors tonight we pray you would pour out your spirit upon them and you would you would use them and pour out life for anyone who has a need and receives prayer you would pour out life So we love you. We worship you, God. We open our hearts to you. Thank you. Thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.